good, all that is sacred, and in the warm and loving energy of this community, Spiritual Life Center. If you're joining us for the first time, we especially want to welcome you because we know that you are not here by accident. You're here by divine appointment. Thank you for joining us on your unique path today, and we hope you enjoy this special message from this past Sunday's service. Let there be light. (laughs) So, you know, that is how the Hebrew Bible says that all this started by God turning on the lights. But obviously, it isn't only God who can do this. All I did was say, let there be light, and it came. Of course, for that to happen, I needed the right awareness, and I needed to engage the cooperation of Ira and Andrew in the booth. So I turned down the lights, adjust the sound, and then on my cue, turn them back on again. (laughs) And we all had to know that the light was available in the first place, and that if we turned it off, we had to be confident that it would come back on at our command. And finally, I needed to say the words. It was a co-creative process, and it only worked because the three of us had the same intention. What would have happened if I had come up here and forgotten to say those words? Well, our trusty AV team would have, Phil eventually brought the lights up, but the whole effect would have been gone. It wouldn't have been funny. (laughs) There'd be awkwardness, and then someone might think that they messed up and they would not have liked that. And with that, we move into week three of Faith in Action. And the music, thank you, Paula, that song. You, she, was, she was telling me it was an amazing song. I mean, just so much appreciate, appreciate that. Because that music also brings in the light. So this week, we have two chapters. Now, and, and the chapters are the reality of affluence and the effusion of light. And Reverend James mentioned a couple of weeks ago that there's so much in these chapters that trying to whittle it down to one idea to talk for 20 minutes was a little bit of a challenge. And then I go, okay, there's two chapters. <laughs> and it took a while. Like, what should I share with you today? I wanted to talk about love, life, light, but substance is important too. It's like, oh my, what am I gonna do? And I kept going back to the book, looking for cues for that one quote to scream out to me. Alas, it just added more to my word salad. And then it dawned on me that I was looking outside myself for the answer. Talk about missing the point. I put everything down and I wandered around the house for a while, you know, just letting everything go and trying to listen to the inner voice. 
And these things came up. I was, first of all, I was discounting my own inclination. I was trying too hard. I know none of you have ever done that, but trust me. I was trying to be all things to all people. Now the image came to me of standing in a river, and I didn't know that, that uh, Daniel Thomas's uh, picture was of a river. But water, and of course I know we're talking about flow, but so I'm standing in this river and water is flowing all around me, but it's flowing out around me because I was walking upstream, pushing against the water. And that just pushed all the good ideas away. And so that was the disconnect. But when I turned and I moved in, direct, in the direction of the stream and felt with and moved with it, I felt connected and that resistance evaporated. Of course, the irony of this happening in the middle of a book that talks about being in the flow does not escape me. But how can I be looking right at it and still go into this tizzy land thing over it? And we all do this, and we do it because we feel responsible for making life happen. I must do this, I must get this, I must deliver this. I am responsible, I can't let people down. And when we put this pressure on ourselves, we get sidetracked and forget to look in the most obvious place, which is within ourselves. Now, one reason this happens is because all of this within stuff is invisible. We can't touch it, we can't feel it. We can't see the process working. And on top of that, we live in a world where we say to heck with the process and just try to jump right to the result. We have doubt, we have fear, we are impatient. We try to change the outer world. We try too hard. We want results yesterday by noon. We want to have, we feel obligated to do. And we are easily run by the outer world because that is what we see and that is what is the most real to us. Even when we have an amazing demonstration, one that clearly could only have come from our inner knowing connection, we still might wonder how it happened. We take credit for what doesn't work and very little credit or no credit for what does work. And again, this is because we spend so much time looking at results instead of immersing ourselves in process. In the chapter, The Reality of Affluence, Brother Worth says, practicing the presence means to practice thinking that we are surrounded by a divine presence that wishes you well because you are expressing it as life. Now that's a great image to carry, but for me it lacked a little bit because the way it's phrased, it sort of sounds like just imagine this presence outside ourselves and it's wishing us well. And so that felt a little separate to me. But then as you move into the next chapter, the one called the Affluence of Light, he makes up for it by saying that we need all the light we can get and of course, I had to argue with that too, because that's just how I am, because I don't think we need to get any more light. We are light, we are made of light, we are complete as we are. Are we aware of our light? Are we aware of how powerful we are? Are we aware of our possibilities? Not so much really. 
I mentioned how we get in our own way earlier, all that judgment and distrust that we carry. It really puts a damper on our inner light. It's like the clouds that move across the sky and cover the sun. Our doubts and fears dim the light that we are. But then there's those moments when those clouds scuttle aside, and in that moment we shine and we feel the fullness of ourselves. We find and feel our inner divinity. You know, we tend to think that a demonstration or a mystical insight should be all dramatic and huge. But some of the most meaningful experiences are very often very quiet and fleeting. And actually, fleeting is probably not the quite, quite the right word because they happen quickly, but they stay with you. As I said earlier, we sometimes discount these experiences by not recognizing that they came from within, from our guidance, our intuition. We don't recognize that they are ours. Now, up here on, at Watt and Marconi, there's a Rayleigh's grocery store. Some of you are probably familiar with that. And there's two ways to come out. And one of the ways is to come out onto Watt Avenue. And one day, I was coming out, and I needed to turn right. But I also needed to go across three lanes to get to the left turn lane to go onto Marconi. So I pull up, and I'm sitting there, and it was... There was a lot of traffic, and, and of course, if, if, there's a, if the light is red, it just piles up right there. And so I, I pulled up, and I'm waiting, and, and someone stopped far enough back to let me in. And I waved him by because, I, you know, it wasn't, wasn't going to be easy for me to go through, across all three lanes. And so then another person did it. And this time it irritated me. <laughs> And now I'm used to, I mean, I used to do, I did this all the time. But it irritated me. And I just thought, well, maybe if I back up and reposition the car, they'll stop doing that. <laughs> I mean, these people were trying to be nice. And I'm like, ah. <laughs> and so I put the car in reverse and I backed up just a little bit and I repositioned the car. And almost instantly, a Jeep came barreling down on the right side of all the traffic. It had two wheels in the gutter and two wheels on the sidewalk. And it blasted, it must have been going 60 miles an hour, and it blasted by me and went down the sidewalk and then, you know, bullied its way back into traffic. And I just sat there and I couldn't even think because had I not moved the car, I wouldn't be doing this. So I drove home in a daze. In fact, I called someone. I, the, the traffic finally cleared, and I was able to easily go across all three lanes of traffic and you know, get into the left turn lane. And I, I made a phone call to a friend, and I said, I, you know, this just happened, and I could hardly talk. And there may have been some tears of gratitude. I really got it in that moment. But later, I began to question, would I really have been in the path? Was I really that far forward? Was I just being all dramatic and thinking God thought I was special? <laughs> so I went back and I looked. 
And yes, I was far enough forward that he would have hit me on the driver's side. Thank you. <laughs> so, but, okay, so why did I question that this was guidance? It's because it didn't feel like my normal guidance. My normal guidance is really very insistent. It feels, there's just something about it where it's like I'm kind of listening to something else. And sometimes it's almost like a little voice in my head. You know, it's friendly-like. <laughs> this was just irritation. I mean, how spiritual is that? <laughs> and see that? I'm probably not the only person who wants to categorize intuition, inner guidance, inspiration as spiritual or airy-fairy, or friendly-like. We want it to feel good. We want to recognize it instantly. We want to feel that God is speaking directly to us, loving us. But the thing is, is when that happens, we argue with it. <laughs> you know, Butterworth has this great line. He notes that we ask for guidance for something we intend to do anyway. <laughs> You know, the thing is, is we don't mean to be contrary, but this inner dialogue, however it happens for us, is not always easy to identify, and so we doubt. What happened in this case was irritation. It didn't feel like a message or anything like for me to respond to, and this was good because I didn't spend any time arguing or wondering about it. I just wanted to get, I, I just, got myself uncomfortable, I got myself not, I got myself out of being uncomfortable. There we go. <laughs> you know, I, uh, and, and that, was, that was all I needed to do, was get out of that discomfort. You know, we're souls living in a full inner life and expressing it through our bodies. We're in turn, in, in tune with the universal energies and we know so much more than we can even begin to realize. As young children, we fully live from the inside out. And I sometimes wonder, do any of us remember living fully from the inside out without all of this stuff going on? As we grow older, we begin to identify more with the outer world, of course, and that's partly because we're trained to do that, partly because of our daily experience. And the outer world just seems so much more real. I mean, that's just a fact. Yet, when we begin to practice the presence and the sense of communing with our own inner light, we start to understand that anything and everything comes into being through our knowing, through our inner messages. Have you ever started to do something like maybe a simple repair and you didn't have the tools or you didn't quite know how to go about it and all of a sudden that rubber band and scotch tape was there and it was all fixed and ta-da? That's guidance. Or maybe you get an idea for a project and you don't really know where the idea even came from. You know, I know a woman who got up one morning and she heard a voice that says, we're going to write a book. She had no inclination to do this. It never occurred to her to, to write a book. But she sat down and she started writing and she wrote every single day until she had written an entire book on counseling. Now, she says that she, it didn't sell well and she didn't get rich, which of course would have been cool too, but it healed her. She was healed and that book is still around. Her idea, that idea came out of nowhere. 
And how often do we do something and say, I don't really know why I did that, but I'm really glad I did. See, nowhere is your friend. So please pay attention to those moments. Sure, the road to Damascus experiences are amazing and they're dramatic, but they can also become a distraction because they feel so good, you might get caught up in wanting to recreate it all the time, thereby losing the benefit of the experience because you ultimately are looking backward. It's the quiet moments, it's the nudges, the hints that lead us to the heights because they build on one another. Sometimes the most subtle intuitional experience can completely change your life. Did my experience change my life? Not really in any external way, no. But if you know me, you know that I can be a little flip about what I am called to do here at SLC. I joke that I just came here to do a small group and be anonymous. And then I talk about how miserably I have failed at being anonymous. <laughs> that moment, that moment showed me that I am valuable. It told me, it told me that I have a purpose here, that I am needed, that I am worth keeping around. After the shock and the gratitude came the very humbling understanding that I am here for a reason and that I need to be about my father's business. And yeah, I can still sound flip about it, but inside I know the truth. I am here for a reason. Every one of us is here for a reason. Each of you, there is a reason for you. We may not always know our why, but I ask you this, which grain of sand can the beach do without? We are light beings sharing this plane with our physical bodies. Our inner self, call it our light, our wisdom, our intuition, our inner forces, is a living, moving energy. It guides and protects us even when we are not paying attention or when we are arguing with it, <laughs> which is actually hilarious because when we are doubting and questioning and arguing, we really aren't doing that to God. We're arguing with ourselves. It's time. It's time to sit down and say, let there be light for yourself. The light is here in and around and through you. You have just to call on it. It's there, ready for you to throw the switch. And the more you learn to recognize these moments, the stronger your light will be. Will you fully shine all the time? No. But those moments when you do will carry you far, so very, very far. Jesus says to let your light shine to be who you really are. And who are you? You are the light of the world. Go forth and shine.
And as uh, we do each week during Faith in Action, we have an affirmation that goes with our theme. And let us say this one together. In the flow, I experienced an effusion of light as creative ideas, unerring guidance, and answers unceasing. I am light. Light is me. Shining your light and reminding us of the light that is here to be shined by each and every one of us. God needs us to shine this light in our world. And uh, it's a good to have a reminder and to remind one another each and every week. Well, next week I'll be speaking on the subject of Synchronized with Life as we continue on with our Faith in Action series for the fourth week. And it looks like the color is green if you want to get in tune and synchronize with our color scheme that we have each week here at Spiritual Life Center. We are grateful for the opportunity to share with you today and hope you've taken something from this Sunday's message. If you'd like to hear more from Spiritual Life Center, be sure to click subscribe on the podcast platform you're listening from. You can find out more about our community on our website at www.slcworld.org. We look forward to being a part of your continued spiritual journey. Wherever you are, God is, and all is well. Spiritual Life Center